Welcome to the Practice Podcast, conversations probing the nature of practice. I'm your host, Dave Firon. Well, folks, this is the first episode where the person with whom I'm speaking had to go outside and stand on her porch in order that the background noises weren't uh, disruptive for our conversation. And the background noises are the oinks of pigs and a few barks of dogs. <laughs> Antonia Civarella, fascinating person. She is an architect with a uh, focus on uh, school environments, learning environments and schools. But you're going to hear a lot about what it's like for her uh, to be a, a, a essentially recent developer of a sanctuary in her home uh, for pigs and uh, rescue dogs, rescue pigs and rescue dogs. Yes, oink. <laughs> I, I, uh, I'm just uh, so pleased to have had this unique episode to add to uh, a podcast series because uh, she, as I said at the end of this conversation, she's got it all together. Uh, her, her craft, her art, her uh, ability to be learning constantly from these animals and translating that learning into uh, other things that she does. It's, it's quite remarkable. So here is Antonia Civarella. Well, <laughs> folks, this is going to be a lot of fun because I have Antonia Chiavella Sh- Sh- uh, on uh, camera for this podcast, but she's not alone. Uh, we may be having an actual chorus of <laughs> sounds as we develop, even though she's very kindly trying to get a little bit away from one of her practices, which is uh, to develop a sanctuary for, uh, I would say, people who got like pet pigs, but then they realized that they didn't want to uh, have pet pigs. And so among the... Uh, <laughs> The choruses you'll hear, maybe, uh, are four uh, wonderful pigs who I've gotten to know because every Saturday, most every Saturday, that some of us have gotten to know each other through the pandemic. We have a happy hour, and uh, <laughs> I've met all your pigs. Uh, welcome, Antonia. Uh, Thanks, Dave. <laughs> let's let's start with your uh, your uh, oh, let's let's start with your avocation. Tell us what the name of your sanctuary is and then why. <laughs> sure. Uh, so we are Underdog Sanctuary, and um, we are somewhat new, uh, just formed last fall. And we do, as you mentioned, uh, have five, uh, four, four, four rescue pigs. I was going to say five. Maybe that's a, uh, maybe oh, that's check, a sign. Look over your shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There may be a um, litter in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're, sp- we're spayed and neutered. So that's all right, good. All right. we're all set. Um, <laughs> yeah, we have uh, four, four rescue piggies, um, Peter and Parker, Diana and Natasha, and um, also four rescue dogs, uh, Honey and Basil, Bandit, and Ricky. And um, we, I think, the trying to figure out when the, this kernel with an idea uh, first first started, and uh, it seems like ever since I was really young, I've had just an affinity for for animals, and uh, it's just grown over the years. Started out as I think a lot of kids do, um, yeah. 
in the hamster world. (laughs) uh, Pet pet hamster is a pet rabbit, um, a bird. Our family had dogs um, and it's just evolved all through college. um, And then now even into, into adulthood. And it really crystallized for me um, in purpose practiced. Mm -hmm. And it was actually uh, starting this sanctuary was not, something that I actually arrived to as my first goal. Um, the, the pigs were a reward for my first goal. Uh, hmm. So I, if I accomplished this, I said, if I accomplished X, then I would, I would get a, a pig, uh, res- rescue a pig. I and heard, I heard a pig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you and my, you a and my parents. Pig. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Uh, I took some liberties with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they, it, it started from purpose practice, I would say. And it was, uh, just the, the, the idea of, you know, um, I think the farm it was a, some sort of a farm bookstore combination is, is what I was working with. And then, you know, incorporating elements of design and art and architecture, um, into that bookstore component, just trying to really bring all, all these facets of, um, myself and what interests me into into one space mm-hmm. um, and so while I you know certainly still still love books I leaned into the the farm idea and um, the the firm where I practice architecture here in Hartford um, they also leaned into the farm and the pigs which has been great so oh, no kidding uh, yeah <laughs> yeah so I, I I get to um, we even took one of the pigs to uh, a an event, um, a client event once, <laughs> once last fall. So, uh, it's just been this really great blend of architecture and farm and finding purpose. Wow. <laughs> Folks. Uh, I, I think I've, I know I've brought several other, my, my friends, uh, into podcast episodes, um, because Brent Robinson is one of them. Uh, he had a, a gleam in his eye a few years back. Uh, he he's also in a design world. Uh, mainly, he was designing strategies and brands for client companies. And he said, "Why don't we do this for a person? You know, we work to get people to collectively see a future that they'd rather have than the one they're having now because it they feel it would be better for them in the world. Why don't we see if a person?" Uh, could follow some with the same uh, process. And I help with a, a f- the early discussions of that and, and help come up with the name Purpose Practiced. Having a purpose, but doing little or nothing regularly about it, that purpose goes away, doesn't it, Antonia? Yeah, it's really true. <laughs> so the practice side, um, and we'll come back right now to your sanctuary, the practice side, to keep this purpose of the farm, but in the meantime, moving toward it with the animals there in your house, it takes a tremendous amount of time and effort. And you don't just do that because someone's paying you $9 an hour. You do it out of your heart. Um, So uh, give us a a glimpse of what a day would be in addition to your job in the architectural firm, just to keep these, this little household of eight creatures (laughs) fed (laughs) cleaned <laughs> and happy. Right. Uh, it's, you know, it definitely, the word practice here is uh, definitely synonymous with routine for us. The piggies, mm-hmm. they have a schedule. Um, 
So sure enough, they don't need, I don't need my alarm clock. They're, they're ready to go. Six o'clock, they let me know it's time for breakfast, which I find actually quite lucky because I was not sure initially. Uh, I'd heard rumors, you know, uh, farm animals tend to be very early risers. So I, I wasn't sure what to expect at first, if I was going to be awakened at four or five, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, six o'clock, I'll take it. Um, uh, so we get up and uh, the first the first thing is uh, they sleep in the piano room. So they wake up and they walk with me down the hallway into the dining room where um, we sell food bowls. And uh, then they go back into their piano room and have their breakfast while I let the dogs out. Um, the dogs get their time outside. Come on in. Um, I feed the dogs their breakfast uh, in the living room. And then uh, the piggies get their time outside. And uh, it's, it's uh, definitely choreographed, I would say. <laughs> definitely <laughs> choreographed. Um, and yeah, sometimes uh, the pigs actually their favorite they get a little treat when they, when they go outside, especially on rainy days or cold days to entice them. Um, so we sprinkle some honey nut Cheerios, um, any kind uh, of Cheerios really, <laughs> but yeah, but those um, honey nuts, I would go outside <laughs> for a honey nut Cheerio. That's for sure. Me too. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so they get a little sprinkling of those. They do their business and, um, they, depending on the weather, they're, they're pretty quick to come back inside some mornings. Um, just mm. at that first trip outside. Uh, and then we spend a little bit of time inside cleaning everybody out, getting some fresh bedding. Um, and uh, then we go back outside for like a, a, a late morning around like nine, nine thirty. Um, they're ready for another snack. They're ready to go back outside, stretch their legs again. Um, so it's probably every like every two, two hours. Um, we're, we're doing the outdoor shuffle. Wow. Yeah. And do they, do they nap in between or are they just uh, sort of playing around and waiting for the next treat? <laughs> <laughs> they, I would say in the early part of the morning, they will go back to sleep afterwards. They've got their full bellies, um, full of breakfast. So in between those first two morning outings, they'll, they'll, they'll go back to sleep. Um, later, later mornings, we, uh, they have lots of puzzle toys, those doggy puzzle toys or treat balls. Um, so there's, they're more active, I would say, between like 10 o'clock and two o'clock. Mm -hmm. um, and then they are, uh, then we have, you know, we've got lunch in there and then they've got a mid afternoon nap that they must, that they <laughs> must enjoy. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think they have kind of a, a lull uh, in the early morning and in the afternoon where they're, they're napping with full bellies. <laughs> now those are your moments, right? Right. Yeah. During, during their naps and the lulls when you can, uh, uh, either get ready for more of their needs, which you're doing wonderfully, but also squeeze a job in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, tell yeah, us no, a little they... bit about the part that you, uh, you squeeze in there, uh, given the fact that pigs are your, and those dogs are, are your, uh, your, uh, one of your loves and your purpose. And I must add, you are their purpose too. Imagine those eight creatures, if you weren't there to care for them. Uh, that would be awful. I mean, they would be broken up. These four really, these four pigs are, you know, they, they work in tandem. So you, you have a lot of meaning to them, but then you also have meaning to, you mentioned your architectural firm. Talk a little bit about that. And how do you squeeze that into your life? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, well, it's been, you know, with work from home, um, just really 
great to have that technology available um, mm. so that I can be I can be here watching over the piggies um, and doing work on the computers. Uh, sometimes I'll I can bring my setup uh, into different rooms and just wherever the piggies are. That way I can be watching them and, and doing some work. Um, definitely have uh, days where I'm in the office. So uh, the pigs are really well-trained. They're, um, they have, just like a dog, we've trained them to, to go potty outside so that when they're in the house, um, no accidents, litter box just in case. Uh, so for those days when I am in the office, um, they're, I have a late morning here at home. Um, then I venture in um, round 11 and uh, just end up working uh, around six hours, six business hours, and then back at it after the piggies go to sleep uh, at, at night, usually to, to make up some time. Um, it flexes and the piggies are, they definitely have a routine, but they've also been really accommodating for any night meetings that I might have, um, things of that nature. So as long as they've got toys and um, treats, they're content. <laughs> Uh, I definitely want to uh, talk to you a bit more about your your architecture work, but I'm I'm fascinated. Uh, I you long before you were born, Johnny Carson show um, was on every night around eleven o'clock, and there was an, a running joke on the Johnny Carson show, uh, and a guest would come on and play with it. That Johnny would say, "Who is smarter, pigs or horses?" or pigs and dogs, or pigs and chickens. But uh, I always favored the pig in that in that dialogue, because I, I don't know why, I just figured that they had to be pretty smart. Uh, you've now seen pig behavior um, for quite a while, more than a few months. You're watching them learn um, and adapt. What's that like? Yeah, that's really, that's the to me, it's the most interesting thing, Dave, honestly, I was um, not expecting to be as just, it's hard to know what to expect, right? You know, because I've never been a pig parent before. So uh, Mm -hmm. when they first came under my roof, uh, they were a few months old. And it was just amazing to watch not only their personalities develop, but um, like you said, they are so smart. So they learned just like a dog, they learned tricks. They learned um, potty training really fast. They learned, I mean, I think they know their names, but they're so smart that they choose whether or not to come to them. Ah, yeah, that's like a human. That's like a husband. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, selective hearing. Um, they, they have just been um, so remarkable in terms of um, their, the, you know, their what's well, physical development um they've been losing teeth and um all the things that like young young mammals really i guess <laughs> do mm-hmm. um and yeah just beyond that i think just their curiosity has me really intrigued and how um their mannerisms are with each other and it changes day to day kind of just like that like us right you, mm. i can kind of tell when somebody is in a mood or um <laughs> if somebody's having a um, if somebody's having a good day, um, it, yeah. Uh, so for, I'm trying to think of a, for example, um, when everyone first arrived, um, Diana 
uh, was kind of the, she was the head honcho, I would say, mm-hmm. um, and that power has shifted a, a couple times. Um, and I think it's just as their personalities um, grow and change and as they grow and change. Um, so I think now it's, you know, I mean, Natasha, definitely when food is around, uh, folks know that she's, she's the master of the food. Um, Parker, mm-hmm. when there's, you know, fresh, when there's fresh water, Parker's the first one to drink the fresh water. Um, so that's his, that's his thing. Um, Petey is, Petey's the last one in the house. Um, he just, he loves being outside and either there could be, there could be a whole bowl of honey nut Cheerios waiting for him in the house. He's not, he's not coming. <laughs> um, oh, wow. so yeah, um, they definitely all have that. They all have their, their personalities. Natasha, I was cracking up this morning. It was a little chilly. Um, and she did what she had to do. She came right back inside and she leaned up against the radiator in the kitchen. Oh my and goodness. That's her thing. She's like, that's it. I'm done. I'm coming in. I'm getting warm. <laughs> I'm getting warm. Now, how do they, um, we dogs and cats, we're used to having them show what we think is affection. I think it is affection. Uh, with cats, it may just be manipulation to get us to give them a treat. But uh, to be fair to our cat, 20 year old Billy, she is affectionate, oh. but our pigs affectionate to you. Yes, they definitely are. Um, again, with personalities, it's it's evolved over time. Um, Diana, I think, is the best example where at first she was very timid um, when she first arrived in July of last year. And over the, the past few months, um, she has become one of the more affectionate ones. Absolutely. Um, she just she melts every time I scratch her belly. Um, that's, that's the thing. She, she just gets so, so comfortable, um, and relaxed. And, uh, she especially loves when I break out the hairbrush, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> give her, give her a little hair, give her a little massage with the hairbrush. Um, yeah. So I, I would, her, her change has, has been the, the greatest. Parker was always affectionate from day one. He's been the, he's been the most, most social. Um, and, they'll come sit with me if I'm sitting on the floor uh, or on their mattress and they're in their room where they sleep, they'll come and snuggle up next to me. Um, when Parker was really little, he would lie on my chest. And you don't want that now. Asleep. Parker's a fairly, no. fairly big pig right now. <laughs> yeah, Probably 50 or 60 pounds. No, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So definitely, definitely affectionate. Um, and they'll come up and they'll, they'll touch their nose to my nose. Oh um, my Lord. That is. Yeah. Something. That is yeah, something. they're sweet. So I would characterize at this moment in our conversation that you are your practice uh, in in rescuing. Yes, definitely. But what you're putting the most time and effort in uh, are those eight animals, particularly uh, your pigs. So your practice is your pigs. It's it's at all, you know, beyond that. Uh, But if, if you were, um, you were doing it out of love and compassion, but if you were an observer of animal behavior and that became more of a science and not just an art, you would be noticing things that very few people that I can think of really notice about pigs. Uh, They just don't give them any credit for having those, those abilities and those and those proclivities and the ability to show affection. So, 
you are, uh, you've learned a lot. Yeah, definitely have. And there's so much more to learn too. I feel like uh, every day there's a new question. <laughs> uh, so definitely has, yeah, it, de- it has definitely absorbed um, a lot of, a lot more, more than just time. I would, I would say it's just, it's really just absorbed who I am. <laughs> I would um, mm-hmm. definitely change the way, the way that I see the world and the way that um, as you said, the way that I practice um, and the way that I've been able to have, you know, to be able to really care for, for all eight, all eight of these animals um, and still advance my career. And that's, that's not just me doing that. That's, I think a credit to the whole community of, of people that surrounds me and believes in me. And Mm. um, so I'm just really grateful that, I mean, I, I couldn't be doing this practice if it was not for the, you know, the conditions of, of everyone and the belief of and support of everyone around me. Absolutely. Well, I think it's well-learned. I I wonder if you can tell if this experience you've had uh, now for over a year with your animals, particularly the pigs has somehow changed the way you've been uh, seeing yourself as an architect and actually do, doing the design. Is there, is there something different there as a, as a result of this uh, other love that you have? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, from the, the initial concept of the sanctuary was grounded in a, a bolstering of confidence. And that's, you know, that's my confidence. That's confidence specifically um, in the children of today, um, just being able to give them some outlet to who they truly are and explore what they might not know about themselves quite yet um, through interactions with these very funny, very amazing pigs. Um, And so I think it's, it's opened my eyes to the confidence that, that I have in myself and the ability to keep looking forward towards a vision and a goal and think empathetically, think, um, think about uh, how, how you can create different environments for learning and support and nurturing. And it's, I mean, it's it's similar for, I I guess I don't have kids, so I don't know, but I, I'm imagining that, um, you know, the environment and the situation that you want to create is, is centered around obviously love regardless and compassion and all of the things that Mm-hmm. I'm showering these pigs with. So hoping that um, the the designs that the place that I'm in and the designs that I'm able to uh, help create and help guide clients towards, um, you know, that, that personal spirit and energy that I have in, in the sanctuary world, um, hoping that that, that shines through. I, I think that's terrific. I, I, I don't know that you could find anywhere in your huge architectural community thousands around the world of anyone who is chosen this way uh, to develop yourself to, to the point that it shows up in the, the vision you have for facility buildings, however, and, and the kind of environment. I'm wondering, um, am I right that you have been involved in designing some schools? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, an atmosphere for children. Since I'm watching my clock here and I want to do this for hours, but we, we can't. Can you talk a little bit about 
uh, how your feel for what you wanted in schools materialized, which is which is terrific about architecture because you actually get to see it come together with brick and mortar and glass and and more than that. So tell a little bit about a school story. Sure. So I I think you know what excites me a lot about the schools that we're designing today and the clients that we get to work with um, are just the visionary ideas that are brought to the table. And a lot of those center around new ways to learn and new environments for learning. And mm. um, the fact that, you know, learning goes beyond the walls of the classroom. And so Hallelujah. I really love, right? <laughs> That's my whole career right there. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you know, so I, I just do. those resonate, it resonates with me because um, I definitely feel like you know, hands-on learning, project-based learning, outdoor classrooms, um, the ability to to take a class out on a nature trail and um, be that observer that you know, that I get to do. Um, you know, I get to sit and watch these pigs on a Saturday morning. And uh, I think, you know, kids in school, you can learn so much just from observation. Um, mm-hmm. And the, I think the, the confluence of everything that you're learning from English and social studies to math and science, uh, they're all interconnected. So seeing that mm-hmm. interdisciplinary relationship strengthened mm-hmm. um, is something that, that also excites me. Um, so yeah, I would, I would, I'm just really fortunate to be in the education space and hope that, you know, once I have um, the opportunity to be able to invite um, classrooms of students over to to meet these pigs that will um, will be a, a further a further knitting together of of uh, my farm life and my architecture life. Wow, great 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 arc you just painted there. Um, I I began to start thinking of uh, well when you're designing a school why not have a, a sanctuary you know a, a adjacent to or part of the school I've you know they've had uh, examples of school. Um, schooling that has been uh, designed into senior uh, residences uh, so that they can mix mix people a lot uh, and have intergenerational learning Uh, now that that that's that is a a beautiful uh, connection between your your what you can visualize in and eventually uh, materializes schools and what you have right there in your home many of the basic needs have to be met in both schools and your home. But beyond that, it's watching uh, the learning happen and then nudging it a bit, which we teachers do. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. I even feel like uh, sometimes I mentioned the pigs are in the piano room. So I'll even, um, I'll even play the piano for them sometimes. And um, we've had uh, our neighbor came over to sing for them. Uh, So there's just been, I think even the connection between music and, you know, thinking yeah. of interdisciplinary. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, if there was ever a, an opportunity to have a, a school music class play for these piggies, I, I would sign up for that. <laughs> Uh, I, I, we've got to try uh, an Antonia 2, 2.0, folks, but I, I do have one other question I have to get at least a beginning answer to. Sure. You mentioned uh, when you were growing up, you had pets and, and, and so forth, and you've always had a feeling for animals. How did, how did you choose architecture? Mm-hmm. I, I've also had a lot of designers in my family. So we had, my great grandmother was a dressmaker in New York and, mm-hmm. um, my uh, cousin is an in interior design. My great uncle uh, is an architect and professor at Cal Poly. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's design and, and my father studied fine art. So it runs 
in the family. Um, I think I came to it myself uh, through, uh, honestly, early experiences just in outside outdoor play when I was young. Um, I used to always draw um, maps of urban cities in our cul-de-sac and uh, encourage all the neighborhood kids to get on their bikes and ride down the, the chalk road that I made and park in the video store parking spot that I made. And uh, so I would design little towns in chalk in the cul-de-sac and kids would, would bike around them. So I, I, wow. I think the idea of designing environments uh, started there and there um, grew, grew into three dimensions. What school did you uh, go for your architectural degree? I studied at Virginia Tech for mm-hmm. uh, yeah Bachelor of Architecture, and um, I think that's you know they that's where uh, the animals definitely came into play too. Uh, I would take my sketchbook to the duck pond, and uh, a little bit further down the road they had horses and cows, and um, so we would definitely uh, enjoy taking walks to to visit the the animal residence at, at Virginia Tech. Wow. Well, Antonia, there's there's so much symmetry to you. You must have been designed by by a, a higher being who said, "Let's let's put it all together in one human being." Uh, feeling, art, love, appreciation of outdoors, ability to use chalk to keep kids happy. <laughs> it's all there. I'm really pre- I'm really proud to to be your your virtual friend since we've never met in person yet we've known each other for what, two years so right true. Uh, one day we will uh see each other but in the meantime you've given me a wonderful episode 151 for the practice podcast so thank you oh dave thank you for the invitation it's a real honor if you'd like to hear more listen in on spotify automatic and Apple Podcasts, or go to inactionresearch.com slash podcasts dash page. And if you'd like to learn more about social inaction and the nature of practice, head over to inactionresearch.com for more information. Thank you for supporting this show. We look forward to hearing from you soon.